Hey y'all, Tyler here. Welcome back to part two of episode five with our guest and friend Jordan Arcy. We're going to be doing a little challenge for this episode. If it hits 200 listens in the first two weeks, I will be doing a spicy food challenge known as the Death Nut Challenge, which is basically eating a series of nuts that progressively get hotter and hotter, culminating in the Death Nut, which is 13 times hotter than a ghost pepper. I'll be doing it live on Instagram as soon as we hit 200 listens. So tell your friends, tell your family, get the listen in. I'll probably cry. If we hit 300, Tommy will do it. If we hit 400, Ryan will do it. Ryan's already crying thinking about it. So if you really want to see a mental breakdown, get the listens up to 400. Thanks for listening. It's a great conversation. See you guys soon. Jordan, you'll find this exciting. I uh, I tried my first cigar a couple weeks ago. Interesting. Yeah. What did you think? I liked it a lot. It's good. Yeah. I'm sure it's nice. I mean, nicotine probably feels great. <laughs> <laughs> like, so we were. Uh, uh, that's like the only thing I've ever had any urge to like try, like smoking wise. I've literally never taken a, a like a puff of anything, not a vape or uh, what have you. So I don't think you ever had any interest. What's that? Just be a man and like ruin your. Tommy, lungs. you're about yeah, and, you're about uh, to get a lot of vaping. So uh, <laughs> what? So uh, so I gave it a go. Uh, In your classes, sat around the table with some of my uh, buddies. They uh, they showed me the way, and it was quite delicious. And then what happened was, Dude, is like yeah. a week and a half later, I was having some people for a fire, and I was gonna get. I ordered a few for the night. So if anybody wants to, they can have some. Well, they didn't come on time, so I ordered like a dozen. Oh. So then I had to go get more. So you wait. So then I went and got more, but then like everybody bailed, so there's only th- three people, including myself. So now I have like 18 cigars. <laughs> disgusting. I have nothing to do with them, because I'll probably smoke like one a month or like one every couple of weeks or something like that yeah. on occasion stuff. So now I'm like being... Like forced into getting a humidor for these things because my room smells like a cigar right. case now because I just have like eighteen cigars it's... sitting on my <laughs> dresser. That, that's, that's what I was just going to say. That's what I was just going to say. Smoke all of them. Yeah, I was going to say you can't just leave them out in your room. They're going to get stale and gross yeah. too. Yeah. So, so now, can you explain? Well, I'm coming home on Saturday. All right. <laughs> all right. So there, each one of you has nine. There's <laughs> half of them gone. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's more than 18, because that's a 12-pack, and I have a bunch of... Yeah, there's probably, like, 20, 25. Jesus. You know what's nice. funny is I didn't go to that fire. Yeah. I mean, not you that you would have helped. <laughs> Can you explain to me how you are... Like, people say you smoke one cigarette, and then you're hooked. Uh-huh. Like, nicotine's, like... It might even be more yeah. um, that's... addictive than, like, heroin. I, I saw that it's, like, up there with heroin. Uh-huh. With how addictive it is. So how can you smoke a cigar and not be hooked? All right. One, I've never heard that before. So I don't know. I've always heard that. It, it, it for, is, for right? Nine, for like, I've heard like... that for a vast majority of people, you have to smoke several cigarettes before you get hooked on it. I don't think um, that's true. So so I spent some time smoking cigarettes in my life. There was a, there was a period of time. And I found that 
you know, I think it's a lot with personalities because a lot of people have addictive personalities where they start, you know, chewing gum and they just never stop. You know, people who just like start chewing gum or they, they get like a nervous twitch and they just like get addicted to doing like these little things. So like I smoked cigarettes for a couple years and I never got addicted to them. I never got addicted to them. You know, I, I think it was four or five years later, I quit cold turkey and I had like a, a day or two of withdrawals. Um, but I smoke cigars here and there with my dad and in different social circles. And like, I think it just has, it's just not really the same. You're not smoking a cigar because you want that little buzz that a cigarette gets you. Um, so I think like a lot of it has to do with the intent behind why you're smoking mm-hmm. a cigar. Like there's definitely people that are addicted to smoking cigars. Um, but I think that it's harder for it to happen this because of the intent behind why you're doing this it. This brings up a really cool point that <clears throat> I don't think a lot of people think about is there is so much more to addiction than just the underlying chemical. Oh, for like, sure. Like, um, what war was right. it? Uh, Vietnam where, a bunch of the the vets that were coming back who were like gravely injured uh were on morphine like basically heroin um for a long time while they were overseas and a ton of these vets were coming right. home and everyone was like oh my god like we're going to have a bunch of junkies in the streets this is going to be terrible and it turned right. out that they didn't become addicted And when your grandma goes in for back surgery and gets prescribed morphine or some other, um, or an opioid, they don't become junkies. So like what gives? Mm, Yes and no. They don't. Because a big path to heroin is people getting prescribed painkillers after surgery. That's drawing from the, uh, it's distracting, detracting from the point that most people, most normal people who go in for like a back surgery or even have back pain and are prescribed opioid medication probably will not become junkies. And then what's the and counterpoint? The, what's the other And side? the reason is because or, or one of the theories behind the reason is there's so much more to addiction than just the chemicals, it's the support system. Like and the granny who goes too. in for her back has a loving family that she's going to return to. And those vets had a wife and they probably had kids that they were going back to, so they didn't need the drug. And that might be, I mean, I don't know if it has to do anything with cigars, but that's like, I don't know. I think we treat addiction wrong in the world and especially this country because like we don't do enough studies into the behavioral effects of addiction. Uh, We just, we kind of trap ourselves into the physical effects of the drug itself, not what's actually causing them to be addicted. It's a really good TED talk on it that I'll link you. Plus, I mean, the guys coming back from Vietnam are obviously dealing with a ton of mental stuff and they're probably using the morphine, whatever the drugs is an escape. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, that's literally the opposite of what I'm saying. saying, I was saying like that's a high, (laughs) I thought you were saying like, why is it a higher rate for them? No, 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 no. They, they, they were having uh, huge doses of morphine overseas. And when they came back, they were not becoming junkies. Oh, they, so, they weren't hooked. Well, on I drugs. think I think a lot of addictions take time too. Like, it, I guess that's true, but no. But like, but why do we see such a bigger like? Far fewer people who occasionally smoke cigars become addicted to cigars. But uh, I would I would assume that a much larger percentage of people that like try smoking cigarettes in high school or whatever end up addicted. Well, so the thing I just looked up said that it usually it 
they only get addicted when they start smoking regularly for a few days in a row. Like they smoke yeah. days in a row. But people that like if it's just the dude Which, goes to a party every other week and has a cigarette, it doesn't necessarily happen as much. Yeah, I, I don't know if that has is, anything to do with what I was saying, but which to Tyler's point, you know, cigarette companies don't sell solo cigarettes anymore like they used to. Because now you have to buy a full pack of, you know, twelve to eighteen cigarettes. So that habit comes quicker, you know. So they yeah. kind of like it's kind of a messed up system where they our, trick people into getting our addicted. response to freaking. I mean, okay. Well, no, I and I was saying that in response to cigars versus cigarettes. Yeah, yeah, like, I, know, I don't I think cigarettes are more addictive if you're smoking them as frequently as you would if you were like occasionally smoking cigars on occasion. But I think they are. I think I think you could just look at the product, like the outcome, and say that they are like cigarettes themselves are more addictive than cigars. Well, I well, I don't think that people are smoking cigarettes purely for the enjoyment of like at a party most of the time like most of people are smoking cigarettes because they are going to smoke a cigarette they're not like hanging out with their buddies around a fire but like once how a do you get to that point because nobody grow up around well, people it. who smoke enjoy smoking i mean a lot of them enjoy it it's yeah. a dopamine rush it feels good i'm sure i mean it's it kills your body but i mean i'm sure it feels good i mean i'm sure i'm sure heroin feels great or like <laughs> oh that may be heroin but like I'm sure cocaine or LSD feels great, but I mean, oh, I'm sure least... heroin feels awesome. There's no other reason why people would do it. I'm sure it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like, but it wreaks havoc on your body and your mind. But that was completely not my point with the whole spiel about addiction. That's more like opioids and and heavier. Well, I guess yeah. not heavier, but I mean, yeah, there's definitely genetics and there's definitely support that play. Into That's it. not what I'm saying. It's like, um. I, like humans need an escape and yeah. for a lot of people that becomes drugs when they don't have a support system that becomes drugs and drugs so fills that void maybe i can maybe i can shed like a little bit of you know different light on this when i was at school when i was away at school i kind of developed a if you want to call it a, a an addiction like a, an obsession with gaming to the point that it affected my performance at school. And I don't know. I think there was a social aspect to it because all of my friends, like I didn't have a lot of friends at school. I had a couple acquaintances, a couple buddies or whatever, but I didn't have a, like a lot of friends. So I, I feel like I, I developed some sort of addiction to it because it was my connection back to my friends and stuff. And I don't know, maybe that plays yeah. a big part in that i don't know so you know i think that a lot of it you know you see a lot more addiction when it comes medicinally than when it comes recreationally is something that i've actually seen because when it's something that's like when someone's using let's say marijuana recreationally it's not something that they're dependent on um, they're not dependent on this thing for a need that fills a need in their life kind of like ryan was saying of like filling this void where like we look at marijuana medicinally and a lot of people rely on it for mental health purposes or anxiety or depression or these, um, or physical pain, you know, and, um, that's where that dependency really comes and dependency might as well be addiction in itself. Um, so you see a lot more of that addiction when it comes from, um, needing to take the place of something else, um, or fix something, mm -hmm. you know, um, rather than recreationally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because yeah, it, it makes total sense to me that 
if you have a support system and you're happy and and you feel okay otherwise and you smoke a cigar you're not as likely to become addicted to that feeling of taking the cigar as somebody who was like wow that was great that made me feel great i'm sad otherwise yeah and then that becomes a total pit for them and it's awful and i think we should be focusing there in our at least some of our research and like rehabilitation centers should be around support systems not necessarily just getting them off um, their drugs yeah i think you can make a conscious you know go ahead i was gonna say and that's actually a big push of the democratic party that i hear a lot from the liberal side is that we need to stop putting people in jail for addiction and start funding totally agree with that yeah for sure i agree i pretty much agree that's such unless you're dealing yeah, Dealing's a, a little bit different, but usage, you basically shouldn't go to jail for using I think I think all drugs should pretty much be legal. I'm libertarian in that aspect. <laughs> but that's uh, a different story. I disagree with PCP just because it makes you a danger to people around you, but yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, that's 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 the that's like the weird line that I've thought a lot about is that fundamentally I don't think it's really especially the federal government's job to decide what people do with their own bodies yeah but it's like where do you draw the line at how how likely it is for a person to be on a certain drug to hurt somebody else like if you do that's why that's why like you're almost that's why drinking is legal but drinking and driving isn't yeah 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 you know what I mean but anyway what uh Jordan was in the middle saying something I don't think he remembers but uh, (laughs) down that line um Ban- making drugs illegal only punishes the people who use it and everybody else because you're at by uh by outlawing it you are essentially creating a market for it and because <clears throat> because it's now illegal people have to find illegal sources for their cocaine or their morphine it absolutely um i mean if they get caught they they go to jail <clears throat> totally rips away any support system they had and then they're screwed for life uh it creates right. a market it, it creates uh, a war on drugs that we're constantly fighting which is full of corruption everywhere um the only reason that mexico cartels exist is because we outlaw drugs yeah the only reason that they have such uh <clears throat> they have such a hold on mexico and the people in places like Honduras and mexico and uh other places like that is because we outlaw them so if you just legalize them what's the downside yeah, I, I really don't understand the downside other than some people point to it trickling to high schools like cigarettes did. But yeah, just do the same thing you did with cigarettes. Like we manage oh, cigarette so, like, addiction. Are we going to act like high schoolers don't get drugs? If they yeah, really, I know. Really it's like, want it. <laughs> like chapstick was banned from the Barnegat High School because people started smoking coke or smuggling cocaine in the chapstick and rubbing it on their lip. <laughs> I, I'm not even kidding. <laughs> True. That was a thing. Uh, I think I think the only argument against that is kind of what Tyler was saying about how it like where's the limit of how it affects the people around you. You know, yes, you do. If we were to like Portland, just legalized everything. They're just like yeah, we don't even recognize a drug as a drug. <laughs> what the heck's a drug? They don't even Portland's know. Portland's not exactly the like, pinnacle of. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, they <laughs> lost like one point one percent of their city to another country this year. <laughs> Chaz, bro, I wanted a vacation in Chaz, I but the murder Chaz. rate was higher than Honduras. It's, it's the so. only. It's the- 
It's true. It was. If you look at how many people were staying there and how many murders they had. It's higher than Honduras. And their murder rate was like high, like the highest in the world. Where would you where would you put your line at, Jordan? If you were if you were the god king of the USA. <laughs> god King Jordan. You know, it's so tough because I do believe in um, you know, I don't want to say natural selection, but natural consequences. <laughs> to <laughs> to our actions you know i do believe in that and i do believe in limited government to the point of you know people are going if someone wants if someone's going to be a cocaine addict they're going to be a cocaine addict they're going to keep chasing that if that's something that you know i had um i knew a guy in college who was studying rigorously who started using it to um to study to prepare for different exams and he was addicted he got addicted to it and that behavior then started affecting every relationship in his life where he stopped having, he lost a lot of his friends. He lost a lot of close family members that, um, you know, he kind of isolated himself because he, everything started feeding this addiction that he had then. So it's not even the sense of like, yes, this guy is on heroin and he's driving and he knocks out and kills people. It's not even to that great of a like that is an issue but there's also the what's going on in your household issue of how is this affecting the people around you which is always the drug problem drugs are bad we know that you know but it's how much <laughs> thanks for that hot take how, jordan <laughs> quote put that down put that down drugs are bad jordanashi.com hooked on fishing not drugs <laughs> yeah um you know so i think it's such a difficult balance because where do you get involved to help the people around the person who's addicted um and what is a healthy level of help for that person because in one aspect you know we allow people to get away with a lot by protecting them from failure to an extent you know um i think a lot of times when when people are cradled they don't actually experience the natural consequences mm -hmm. um that a lot of their decisions should carry um you know so i don't mean to sound sound like an anarchist you know but there are um natural consequences for everyone's actions no absolutely yeah, yeah. and it it really throws it on the person who's addicted to really help themselves and i think that's powerful especially i think it's the best thing to help them is to have them realize going back to the ownership conversation it's like you can take control of your own life like even though you're addicted to heroin or cocaine or something like that, you're still in control and you can fix it and it's on you. No one else can do it for you. And, uh, yeah, I think legalizing yeah. drugs will help people realize that. I mean, <laughs> there's nothing worse than passing out on your, on your couch and feeling like a loser. And, you know, you don't have to worry about hiding from the cops, but you have to worry about hiding from your family and, and your entire mm. life. Um, and I think how, I definitely don't think yeah. we should be punishing the people that need the help the most. Yeah, I think that's where we go. Well, on. yeah, not only are you punishing them, but you're wrecking their lives because Completely. now it's super hard to get a job. Yeah, we have like the worst recidivism rates of any uh, developed country anywhere. It, recidivism meaning if somebody commits a felony, they're just going to end up back in jail after they get out. We have like the the worst rehabilitation programs. Right. Uh, and that's po probably because we have mass incarceration, especially in um, places like New York City. Um, it, it got really cleaned out. 
you know, it used to be pretty bad homeless people wise and it got cleaned out, but only due to mass incarceration and that caused a, a huge effect of crowded prisons and it's just a big mess. You can just do what fixed. Uh, LA and San Francisco do and just let homeless yeah. people literally on the street Rain free. and and take dumps you, on people's driveways. It's like they have like 60,000 homeless people in LA. <laughs> That's 60,000 out of 20 million people. Right, how many people live in LA County? I don't, I don't even know, but haven't it, you seen that episode of South Park though? It's literally just, you know, they walked all of the from Denver, <laughs> from jo- where Jordan's at from Colorado. They walked them all to uh, California. <laughs> great. A, a night of the yeah. living homeless. One of my top <laughs> South Park episodes. I don't know. It's like, yeah, that's like the tough love that we we're just talking about with addicts is you have to make that it's like the reverse. You have to make it illegal to put your sleeping bag on somebody's property. Like you have to push them out. You have to put them in the shelter so that they can help themselves. Yeah. So that they're not okay with their situation. So people aren't cradling them. I, and I, the problem, the problem is shelters tend to enforce like drug screening. And it's not that homeless people are getting <laughs> thrown rough. out. It's not that homeless people are getting thrown out because an overwhelming majority of homeless people either have mental issues, drug addiction issues, or both. And it's not that they're not, right. it's not that they getting thrown out of these homes. They don't want to go because they want the drugs. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. 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 I think it's a hard problem to solve to, I think a big government. Yeah. In it's, general, a, it's very circular. Yeah. I think a big government in general results in a lot of quote unquote, like community problems because like you were saying, Ryan, how you were saying that, it takes the emphasis off the person, but also takes the emphasis off the family and the community around them to come around them. Because everybody mm-hmm. puts it on the government. They say, this is the government job. They'll take care of it. You get, you completely right. lose that sense of small community. You, you lose the responsibility as a friend, as a brother, as a mother, as a father to come alongside that person mm-hmm. and, um, and love them. And I mean, we say love, in a, in a lot of ways, a lot of the time where it's like, oh, I love you, man. So, like, I'll get you that bag of Coke for, like, you know, 20% off. I got you, bro. But, like, that's not love. Like, love is having that difficult conversation with somebody. It's do Love is doing things you don't want to do for people that are inconvenient to you or difficult because you love them. Um, and I think, actually, that kind of comes back full circle what we were first talking about was surrounding yourself with people that are going to do difficult things and, and call you out when you're doing dumb stuff and help you in that time. Here's my biggest issue with what you just said, though. A massive, the, 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 the catalyst for our homeless problem in America was when a lot of the mental institutions closed down. True. And let a bunch of people back out on the street. Now, those mental institutions were doing some whack stuff. They were, you know, cutting That's people's very brains in half and electrocuting them just randomly. Because yeah. um, they were like, you know, well, let's see what this does. But... Like what I think if you're going to make the case for government programs, like maybe it's at the state level, but mental institutions have to. be. Well, that is that that's the big thing is whether it's state level or not. I think I I think that is a fundamentally important issue because one, you're going to be able to address the issues in your state better because not every state has the same exact issues. One state might have a lot of problems with drug problem or mental issues as a result of drug issues one state might have more of a uh um mental mental issues that are born of genetic problems 
Um, and two, it goes back to having that level of community where you're going to be more directly voting on how much money, how much money you're spending on these things. Um, how many there's going to be. Um, there's going to be more of a, of a feeling of personal investment. And I think that is important for the soul of the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like uh, nationalism isn't necessarily a bad thing. Like being proud of the state, the country, wherever, whatever you come from is important. And, you know, enjoying the commu- your community is huge. Like when New Jersey was struck with Hurricane Sandy, I mean, we just put immense amounts of effort into our shores and we rebuilt in like a year and a half and it was amazing to see new jersey come together in like a time of crisis and it made me really proud to be in new jersey and that's a good thing and you lose that with a with globalism and and things like uh like federal governments um the globalists the globalists they're turning the the frogs gay I said Joe, the word. Joe, Joe, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come over on election night, Joe. We're gonna get wasted. <laughs> Did you see this episode, Ryan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I listened to it. It's like, bro, you invited yourself over. Can you just relax a little bit? <laughs> I would like to point out that Jordan actually might take up RJ's mantle as fall a uh, guy who falls asleep on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for everybody who can't see, he's currently laying in bed. See, I thought he was posing like for girl. us. <laughs> He's like he's got what? he's got like the hand he's got like the laying on his side hand head yeah, in his hand type like a of French thing. girl. Yeah, mm-hmm. pit. he's got the little triangle going between face. Hit <laughs> me like one form. of your French girls, Jack. Wait, what time is it there? If, it's like seven fifty four. It's like almost eight. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> dude, what's wrong with you? Jesus, no, I'm tired too. Yeah, but that's because you choose not, not to tired. sleep. I'm not that tired. I'm just, I just. I get I get a uh I get tired sitting in the same position and I don't oh, have yeah, my yeah. desk out here so I'm like sitting on my bed like Indian style. <laughs> really? Wait, what? He was uh, earlier. Well, oh, uh, okay. okay. <laughs> I was like, how does Not that currently. angle work? <laughs> You're flexible. <laughs> I, I think I think what you what we're kind of talking about in the uh when we're talking about rehabs, we're talking about mental institutions. I we almost brought up Plan A earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that I honestly think that like those are prob those are the priorities of what Kanye was actually talking about running on this year, and in twenty twenty four, Kanye was restructuring. <laughs> Yo, he was talking so about like the restructuring. Uh, he was talking about restructuring foster care and adoption. Okay. Um, he was talking about. Pretty much going back now. I'm not very now. I'm not very good on this topic. I don't know if you guys know much of um, Edison versus Tesla. A little bit, yeah. Um, A little bit. I th- AC versus DC. Right. So he he's pretty much talking about going back and undoing everything that we built on Edison and reestablishing on Tesla and building for the future. Oh, that'd be so expensive. And, um, <laughs> that'd be so expensive. So, so his his solution to the abortion problem is better foster care, is um, better adoption programs. And he's planning on – he's currently buying like thousands of acres of land to build these mini societies for orphanages. And they're all going to be run off hydropower. 
and they're all going to be clean energy. They're going to be teaching them like farming, chemistry. Tommy, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was like farming, chemistry, and like engineering or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And his thing is he wants kids like learning these things so they can problem solve themselves because he thinks we coddle kids too much. Which uh, the th- crazy thing is, right. I end up <laughs> agreeing with Kanye like 80% of the time. It's just 20% that's just like, oh, bro, that was He's too far. Cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know, dude. And it was like, it, it honestly, this podcast with him and Joe Rogan opened my mind up so much just to be able to understand a little bit of how he thinks just of just like deconstruction, reconstruction, everything he looks at, he just deconstructs it immediately and like tries to build it in a better yeah. way in his mind. So you're, you're all aboard that Kanye train. I don't know. man. I re- I not, not for president. I when I was watching that podcast, I thought it was very evident Senator. that he was not some Sec- some secretary sort of, of the interior. Some <laughs> some sort of position that gets to like if he was to handle like literally put him in charge of I don't even know if this is a new branch. Put him in charge of orphanages. Put him in charge of prisons. Like all of prison reform, orphan reform, rehab reform, like all of that. Um. Like, I don't know if that's such a glaring issue in this nation. I honestly don't know why we don't have. Um, I mean, I'm sure we do have someone overseeing that would be Secretary it, but why the Interior, there's just a whole remodel. Would that be, or is that just infrastructure? What? No, infrastructure is like. It, it, you could call it infrastructure, but infrastructure is like roads, bridges. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm saying isn't what Jordan's talking about the Secretary of the Interior or does he just oversee infrastructure? I, I think I think I think they might have somebody like that. I just don't know how good they are at their job. I think it's hard. They're not right? good at their jobs. Let me tell you that. <laughs> like we should add a cabinet position. You have homeland security. You have uh, housing, urban development. You have um, forestry. This is or definitely. Uh, you you could just add another secretary. The, the the just just literally just be Kanye, the secretary of Kanye, <laughs> and then Kanye just fills that right. role. Like who are we gonna get to be secretary of Kanye? You know, for this administration, probably gonna have to be Kanye. <laughs> this is. Definitely a topic for another time. I think Tommy and I vehemently disagree on private versus public prisons. Don't we? I mean, yeah. It doesn't I have think to be a topic the for biggest. Well, I want to we prepare are, for we it. We are running long. Yeah, I, I want to prepare for it. We're running long. But, like, I think the biggest problem with um, prisons is that they are a business. And businesses. Yeah, yeah we could talk. Yeah. I'll just get into it briefly. Businesses, their job is to make money. And the way you make money as a prison is to have the most amount of prisoners and the least amount of guards. And the way you do that is you fill the prison absolutely with some drug lords and have them run the prison. And that's what happens. That's um, how well, I mean, the, the, Supermax uh, prisons work. I'll give you my quick counter before we move on. And then we'll, we, we, we will do this. We'll, we'll have it as like a main topic of another episode. My quick counter would be you don't want prisons run poorly and everything the government runs <laughs> is run like However, absolute no, crap. No, this is the difference. Uh, it might be run crap, but it is better than what it is now and it is fair. The point is it has to be fair. You cannot have a prison running itself and having its own hierarchy because it, it produces horrible recidivism rates. Because once you're in jail, once you're in a gang, you're in that gang for life. And you okay. will go to jail for that gang, and you will do stuff in jail for that gang, and you will kill for people in jail in that gang. And gangs run that prison, and if you don't, you will die. 
Maybe you do, but when I go to jail, everybody kills people for me. This is like you, I, there's great videos on YouTube of people who were in like LA County prisons and like Atlanta talking about how the prisons are run and what needs to be done. And I think we should be listening to them when they say most people don't make it out of prison because they don't have a choice. So speaking because... of people with major mental problems, um, what <laughs> happened with the uh, the pastor at Hillsong in New York? <laughs> oh my goodness so um yeah so just recently i noticed this i saw this as well me and tyler talked about it briefly the other day that the lead pastor at hillsong new york city actually um was fired from his position well I'll give a little background on, on what uh, hillsong is so hillsong's a worldwide international ministry um christian ministry based out of australia run by Brian and Bobby Houston. Now they have probably a couple hundred campuses worldwide. One of their most popular was planted in New York City with Carl Lentz and um, Bobby and Brian's son, Joel Houston, who leads the band Hillsong, Unit, uh, Hillsong United, which is one of the most popular worship bands out there. Um, they planted about 10 years ago, I think, 10 to 15 years ago. And just recently, these allegations kind of arose that Carl Lentz was caught, um, cheated on his wife, which uh, unfortunately in the in the Christian world is something that you see a lot of pastors um, getting in trouble. Well, for, he got caught like know? cheating with like um, multiple really, people, didn't know, he? Um, I I haven't read any reports that said multiple people. Yeah, I did see I like you see people on Reddit and in like Instagram comments like, yeah, like I saw this happen like four years ago and it's been repeated and people have been shut up and you just never know. Um, it just in anything, you never know what's facts and what's false. Um, but yeah, you know, he's definitely he got in trouble. He got fired and then he kind of announced to everybody why he got fired, which was left up to interpretation. You know, and I saw he he took it upon himself to kind of let everybody know what, how he had fallen. Um, it's just it's honestly really. Sad. Oh my god! I just looked um, up this dude. This dude looks like somebody who cheats on his wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he looks kind of like a cross between like um, Macklemore and Ryan Reynolds. Ryan oh, he Re does. <laughs> he kind of yeah, like does. Ryan like Reynolds, Macklemore for sure. Yeah. So uh, he is he is Hollywood's pastor. Yeah, that is, I mean it like, looks his like title. It, yeah. Um this is what I <clears throat> I think this is like one of the biggest hiccups for people who have issues with um believing in a certain religion is because it is far too often that the people in power in these churches like Carl Lentz or um like any I mean I could there's a whole array of pastors <clears throat> just that I know in New of in New Jersey that turn out to do horrible things like become pedophiles or cheat on their wives or stuff like this. How, you know, and it does such a disservice for what like what you're doing over on your blog and for people who are like, I don't know. What I'm trying to say is this is like how this is exactly why people discredit christians and catholics and um all of the 
Western religions is because this kind of stuff happens. So, I mean, it's so disheartening to see that, you know, being Christian ourselves to keep it as secular as possible, but it, it just sucks to see somebody representing us on such a huge scale. Well, that see, that's you know, the problem is there shouldn't be a yeah. pastor on that big a scale. Like, I don't think that you can... I don't think you can do your job as a pastor and be be leading your church that big. Because, I mean, yeah. what, what personal relationships do you have with 80,000 people or whatever it is? Yeah, I mean, that get, that's really deep into, you know, what, how... Yeah, but I mean, I think it factors into the point but, that it is having such a big impact. Like, this is one that, person failing. But nobody had, else is going to... Like, people on the outside looking in are not going to see the ins and outs of... No, no, I get that. What well, the, my, my, my second that point was that the reason this is getting so much publicity is because he's in front of 80,000 people, whatever. If this was some dude in Nebraska with 150 people in his congregation, nobody would have heard the story. Yep, that's true, except everybody I've talked to who's you know, anti-church knows someone who is either a pastor or an elder or something like that, who would ended up being like, I don't want to say a horrible person, but doing horrible things or could be a horrible person, whatever. Um, so yeah, you know, even if you don't have these people with, you know, massive followings doing this, you still on a small scale, it's still just as bad. Oh, oh, absolutely. I, I mean, because of how frequent it is. So biggest, I, I don't think that's a good counter argument. I mean, the biggest stereotype of a pastor, especially for outside people looking in, the people, who, you know, Christians want to be targeting is <laughs> child rapist, like yeah. uh, a pedophile. That's like the number one stereotype. And this kind of feeds in. He's, I mean, he's not a pedophile, but I mean, he's still doing something that pretty much on everybody's moral compass is wrong. And so why, right. why do people look up to him? That's what, that's probably what they're thinking. That's what I think even. Why are people looking up to this guy? Why is this religion worth anything? Why, you know, if this is the so guy that one of the, yeah, one of the things that I find really interesting, like within the last couple months, we saw Jeff Bezos get caught cheating on his wife, get in trouble for cheating on his wife. We saw, you know, Carl Lentz get caught cheating on his wife. And these are two high-ranking, very well-known people. Now I, don't, now, I don't know if the two of them would ever be found in the same room, yet the way that both of those situations are handled are completely different. Now, Jeff Bezos' wife divorced him. To this point, Carl Lentz's wife hasn't divorced him yet. Um, and the way that I've been reading, it doesn't seem like there will be divorce in the future of that relationship. Um, and you know, I think that because Carl Lentz, obviously a Christian religious leader on such a high pedestal, um, is getting so much backlash is because he obviously preaches against this, you know, as a mm -hmm. religious leader. So one of the biggest things that I, I mean, I'm a pastor. One of the biggest things that I hear of church hurt is hypocrisy is uh -huh. I saw you on Sunday preach about lying, preach about cheating. And then I saw you do it. Um, and you know, by no means is sin ever, or is, you know, moral failures ever acceptable. Um, but at the same point, that pastor is also preaching. All of us have flaws. All of us have weaknesses. All of us, um, you know, have moral failures from time to time. And like we talked in the beginning of this podcast, um, 
it doesn't take a murderer to hurt somebody. It doesn't take a rapist to hurt somebody. It doesn't take a serial dater, manipulative cheater to hurt somebody. Um, and I think that Carl got caught in publicity. I think Carl got caught in a lot of circles that most pastors don't get caught in. And by no means do I condone his actions. Um, and everything he did was wrong. And it's a horrible representation of what a Christian leader should be. Um, you know, but at the same time, Carl never claimed to be perfect. He never claimed to be Jesus in which he preached. He never claimed, follow me. He never claimed, follow my church. He never claimed, um, you know, Paul, Paul definitely writes, and, and I think it's um, Corinthians, follow me as I follow Christ, you know. And um, Carl definitely had moral failures to the point that we look at him and say, I can't follow you because the way that you're acting isn't following Christ. Um, and I will say, I want to add that I, I know Tommy wants to say something, but um, the way that Bobby and Brian Houston acted in this was of utmost respect in the way that they fired him, terminated him immediately, handled it super strictly. Like we're not putting up with this. We're getting him out of there. He needs to go get help. He needs to go protect his family. He needs to go work on things with his wife. Um, we're going to be there to minister to them, but they're never working for Hillsong again. Um, you know, and I think that that's because the Christian world has such a bad reputation in these kind of um, scenarios, which is sad because the non-Christian world, I don't want to say gets away with it, but the non-Christian world has similar things happen like Jeff Bezos, who's not under fire. Um Yet, you know, Hillsong is trying to protect the Christian world in a sense to say there's that this can't happen here. This isn't how we do things. Yeah. You know, we're not going to let him get away with this. Um, yeah, but don't. <clears throat> I've heard that a lot. <clears throat> That's uh, I'm not I'm not discrediting your, your opinion, but I've heard that uh, that argument a lot. And that doesn't make it a bad opinion, a bad argument, but i'm not huge on scripture or anything not to get into the weeds but shouldn't pastors be beyond reproach isn't that something that you know 100%. the first step to christian leadership is being above reproach and that's like the mission of the christian church is to be like jesus christ and like when that happens that's so damaging to the image of legitimate christians that it makes me angry and it's just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's what gives people on the internet who just, uh, it gives them easy cannon fodder, stuff like that. Definitely. To just, uh, yeah. poke holes in, in, uh, our identity online and just totally discredit what we have to say, even though it's not really of substance. Right. And that's just, yeah. Yeah. I, don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that I, isn't. No, I, I totally agree. It talks about leaders being beyond reproach, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I think what Jordan's saying is that, like, it's awful that it happened, but now that it happened, we have to take a course of action, and yeah, one course of action is better than another, and the one that they're taking right now is probably along the best that they could do. I, uh, yeah, I agree with basically everything you said, hundred percent. But I think the problem. Uh, a lot of what you said in very literal 
respect is preaching to the choir. You're talking right. in a sense that you're talking to people who understand that like he's not calling for people to follow him, right? He's not calling for he you know, he's he's talking about how no human's perfect and all these things, but to the outside world, to the the world that's not Christian. Doesn't mean a whole lot. That silly. doesn't that doesn't that doesn't mesh with, you know, them at all. And I right. think I think people get to this point, you know, they they go to school at like 18. They they graduate at, you know, 22 with a degree and maybe they go to a seminary and they become a pastor and then they spend 10 years in a church and they spend their whole time inside this church ecosystem, this church bubble, and they forget the way these things look to people on the outside. And I'm not saying you need to change what you're saying to impress or whatever, but I think we oftentimes inside the church offer up solutions and explanations for things and we we lose some sense of what these people are actually feeling or thinking Mm -hmm. and i think it's a massive disconnect like the one of the examples ryan and i were talking about this a few weeks ago one of the examples we talk about is these people who overthink christianity and they can't wrap their, you know, these these people tend to be smarter than average people, and they can't wrap their brain around a lot of the things in Christianity. And then all of these people in the church just respond with, oh, but it's just faith, bro. <laughs> and not only is that insulting <laughs> to them, but it, like it makes them feel like trash because... Like, oh, why don't you just right. get it, bro? It's just faith. And it's like, well, yeah. Right. But like, uh, why you know, can't God, I have that? God gave me this intelligence. God gave me this ability to think and this ability to reason. And now you're telling me that, like, because of that, I can't jive with what you're saying. And, you know, it, it, it just does a complete disservice. Yeah, and no. the problem is uneducated Christians, first of all, because everybody who's a Christian is a representative of your religion. And, you know, just like any group of people, you know, a majority of them are going to be undereducated but it's just i think christians tend to lose this sense of how what they're saying actually lands with people no absolutely like um this is too common the situation where somebody who grew up christian in a christian household conservative household goes to college and then all of a sudden is hit with um like this is myself speaking this is exactly what happened to me okay tommy I got to crack my back. Keep going. I'm listening. Um, you know, <clears throat> I grew up in church. Uh, had a firm basis. Like, uh, I was pretty much textbook Baptist. But then I went to college. And when I went to college, people I looked up to thought it was silly to believe in a religion. And to those people, uh, the things you said, like, <laughs> the defense of you know, rationalizing, it's just rash to them. It's just rationalizing something that's obviously wrong. So him cheating on his wife is obviously wrong. It's, uh, it's like probably the worst thing you can do outside of, you know, something illegal. Uh, and even myself coming from a Christian background, look at those situations. I go, well, how does this make sense? Like, logically, how does this make sense? And once you're in that world of, of school, getting a job, and, and being and constantly look up in, looking up to these people who are either atheist, agnostic, or just not letting out that they're Christian, 
you really begin to question everything and the logic of what's going on. And then all of a sudden, you're 20 years old and you've completely lost any faith that you had. And then when you try to get back into it and you're searching for answers, people just hook you up with the, you just have to believe. Or, you know, the one that pissed me off the most was, does it take faith to say that sign out there is says speed limit 50? Like, no, obviously not. But that angers people because you're like many Christians miss the point that they disagree on the very fundamentals of faith. Like they can't even begin to have faith because they totally disagree with logically how the church is set up. Like how do, how does, um, a non malevolent God allow these people to represent his church that doesn't click with people. And that clicks with us as Christians, but not necessarily people who we want to reach. And that I think is what Tommy was trying to get at. Um, and that was a big yeah. Wait, what was the point they were even yeah. trying to make about the speed limit sign? It's like, we'll does get... it take, because based on observation, right? Does it take faith to say that my, my wall is blue? No, yeah, I got, because I can I observe got that, it. But like, what was right? their point? You can't observe God and there's no proof of God. So you just have to take it on faith, oh. which is silly. Like, obviously, like nobody's arguing that. <laughs> right. The problem is that faith like i cannot bring my like i couldn't bring myself to believe that i just couldn't i thought it was silly because i was trapped in that mentality and that happens to a lot of people a lot of people like i think more than people realize people lose their faith constantly because of people yeah and because you know especially when you go to school or or college and you're around smart people you want to be like them (laughs) i think what this nothing just the just the implication that you're at college and around smart people whereas before you were in church. No, I mean life. like you're you're at college and you're you're around a bunch of really smart people. We'll say people, intellectuals. Intellectuals that you want to be like. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're your role models, and then all of a sudden you're lost. Well, so and it hits you like a brick. In my wall. experience talking with people about the church and like people falling and, and like messing up like this bastard did, is a lot of it. It does act. A lot of their problems actually do stem from the way it is handled, um, like pastors getting away mm-hmm. with stuff. So I think that by immediately firing him and making it clear, and that the clearer they can make it that this was wrong and this is bad, and that there's absolutely no exception for some people, it can help their perception. That's different. That let me stop you there. She, did, his wife, didn't divorce him. And the church is saying, well, he's not calling for people to follow him. And they're rationalizing it, which makes sense to us Christians, but to other people that infuriates people. He might be fired. The the churches aren't saying that, I don't think. I don't think Hillsong defended him in any way, right? You're you're missing what Ryan's saying. I'm saying, like, us sitting here saying, you know, like, I totally agree with Jordan's point, by the way. I'm not bashing his point. I'm just saying from the outside looking in, it just doesn't land, and I don't know how to reach people who, you know, oh, no, I, that doesn't make sense. And to. All, all I was saying is that I think there are. I think I've talked to a lot of people where more of their problem was the hypocrisy in the church in how they handle the problems, not necessarily that they have problems, and that the more times a situation like this is handled, as this is supposedly being handled, the better 
at least for that group of people. Just that I was just saying that not that a lot of people that have problems with the church is the problem is the so, they handle it, not that they have problems. So, so um one of the things that I think is a key contributor to Ryan what you're saying is that we believe the out, outside of the church, the main belief of what is happening inside the church is that we're trying to push people to moral good. So non-believers, non-Christians believe that the that religion as a whole is just a construct in order to push people to moral good and to live better lives and to be productive members of society. And I think that's where there's such a disconnect between why non-Christians look at moral failure as a religious failure, salvation failure, God failure. And inside the church, we look at moral failure as the need for Jesus. Um, you know, and so when the outside, of course, you know, because we preach no sex before marriage, it's the most, you know, made fun of and common thing that you hear of, um, you know, Christians. I'm not going to be a Christian because I want to sleep with my girlfriend. You know, like there's there's those um, because we see Christianity as a list of morals. We see Christianity as a list of rules. And I think that that's the fundamental disconnect between inside and outside the church. Because inside the church, we don't see this as you have now failed as a Christian because you sinned. You might have failed as a leader. You definitely should not be in leadership because of what because of the example that you're putting off. Um, but we know that where where sin is, grace abounds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jordan. Let me ask you a sort of off topic, but uh, hard question. Yeah. Um, how many people do you think are Christian because it reconciles death for them? Like how many people do you think go with the pretense of, I want to be okay with dying. I want to believe in an afterlife. So let me pick the religion that makes the most sense to me. Well, let me, can I clarify the question? Are you asking how many people does he think practice Christianity or how many people does he think are truly born again and are going, are saved? that believe like that. just no just practicing just practice. he would, would call themselves christian i think is what okay. you're saying right ryan yes okay. i think that is a big because the uh, uh, the reason i'm asking is because a lot of people at least who i've talked to <clears throat> and myself included have this view of religion as needing to reconcile death and not a being scape- a scapegoat for death absolutely yeah not being okay with the idea of just darkness after death and needing something right. to fill that void. And so right. do you think that there is a a large amount of Christians who are kind of just trying to fill a hole in their, you know, worldview so that they can feel good and sleep at night? Yeah, that's a good question. Um my answer immediate my my immediate response is kind of where Tyler's mind went of those people aren't Christians if that's what they think Christianity is. Um, now, so my answer to you would be would be no. I would say that there's probably people in churches that claim Christianity that are clinging to a hope that they'll see a loved one again, um, that are clinging to a hope that this 50 to 80 years on this planet isn't it. 
Um, you know, but I think that if you talk to someone who was born again, who was saved, they would say the moment that I accepted Jesus Christ as my savior, I started looking at life eternally, but that affected my present. Um, that didn't just affect how I viewed death, but it affected how I viewed life as well. Um, and I get what you're saying. Cause that almost negates death of now I live with, you know, no, uh, what is it? No fear in life. No, or no fear in death. I forget the song. <laughs> this is the power of Christ <laughs> in me. Um, <laughs> so <good. laughs> um so i think that you know there's definitely people that are that are pushed deeper um that are pushed into christianity by through the fear of death one of the things that i'm i can't believe i'm quoting kanye so much (laughs) one of the things that (laughs) i didn't know i liked the absolute authority um right (laughs) one of the things that kanye said on that podcast that really hit me was you can either fear God or you can fear everything else. Hmm. Because in the fear of God, you lose fear from anything that this world can bring at you. Um, because you're living for, out of this honor and respect for something that's so much greater than you could even comprehend. Can I um, keep yeah. going? Keep going. But I'm going to point something out and when you're done. Yeah, so I think that, you know, kind of the way that I'm taking your question is like a lot of people that's that's the pinnacle priority of faith is that life versus death um where I would argue that most that most Christians the majority of Christians that's not their mindset um that their mindset is full life is fully life and I mean, what's happening right now and how I'm allowing this to intervene with what's going on I certainly hope so I I really hope that the majority of Christians are you know believing what they're saying um but i think that's where a lot of people get hung up is you know it's kind of just to them it's a way of reconciling something that's just something people don't like to think about which is maybe there is nothing yeah (laughs) you know what i mean go ahead the one thing i would point out is even in what you just went to there I think between the four of us, everything you said kind of makes sense. But yeah, to people who aren't indoctrinated, that's what haven't I don't heard think these the things right before. Word. Well, for lack of a better word, indoctrinated for people who aren't versed in this, familiarized, familiarized in this culture, the the whole concept of fear of God doesn't it it just doesn't ring with people. Yeah, that, that's not somebody's going to hear that and they're just going to be like this. It's just what they've been hearing it for immediately them. kicks them off. It's it's Christian mumbo jumbo and stuff. But to them, the other to right, them. The, the yeah, to them. Well, I think I think course, Jordan's but, point there was that even if somebody comes to Christianity for that reason, it can still result in them being truly saved. I guess. But I mean. But I don't know. also, at what level is it subconscious that you don't know? It's a very hard thing to know you believe something. If you if you start yeah, to would... think about it, it doesn't. It's not clear cut, and the less you think about it, the easier it is for you. But to know you actually believe something, or are you just subconsciously as a human looking for a way to 
rationalize death and the fact that we're right. mortal and finite. Right. And you find Christianity and that hits all the switches in your brain and that 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 you know syncs everything up and then you go down that road and now you're a Christian and now now your brain's at ease. But if you actually sit and think, I wonder how many people actually believe it or if they don't. And then what ah it's just it just starts to get it's weird. It's a rabbit hole. It just yeah. starts to get weird when you start that's to analyze we, what belief is. That's where a is. lot of people spin and they get lost and then they get pushed away from Christianity because when they come up with these questions, like when I came up with these questions, if you go to the church and, and ask that, they, they give you like these, you know, just these like one-liners. Cliches. That, these cliches and stuff like that, that just don't help, uh, at least for... I, I hate to say this because it sounds really dickish, but people who are intellectual. <laughs> I was doing so well, guys. And now it's all gone. But anyway. People who are intellectual, who are, you know, who, who get lost in thought, pick apart these tenets of Christianity that people just accept at face value. And that really pisses them off, really makes them mad when that they, they just reciprocate that same tenet back at you. So like, you know, do you get what I'm trying yeah, to say? Yeah. Like, it makes sense to us be in the, on the inside of the church. It makes total sense. It's totally sound right. argument. But to them, it's like, it's kind of lazy. It's like they've heard it before and they they get so frustrated because... You know, they've heard it a million times and it just doesn't, it it doesn't work for them. And they think that everybody's believing this just because they have to reconcile death. Uh, which I don't think is true. I think the majority of Christians don't just believe it because it makes them feel good. Some do, some don't. Um, but yeah. What a what a discussion! <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yes. So I've had some, you know, I've had some very close my my friend group from my high school. I like to say that um, you know, they're geniuses. They're all very smart. They're all you know, whatever the heck they're doing, whatever. Um, but we get into a lot of deep conversations about this kind of stuff, and I'm really the only I'm the only Christian in that friend group. Um, and. You know, we get into a lot of late night theological debates, you know, how do you reconcile this? How do we talk about this creation, Noah's Ark, you know, all these things, consciousness, um, eternity, end of the world, like all of these things, you know, always come up. And I think that, you know, I think that, first of all, I think there's a beauty to that in the sense of pursuit of, I think pursuit of knowledge, God gave us brains to pursue knowledge, you know, and I think that. I don't think the church does an amazing job at training um, in areas to be able to discuss those things. Um, and, you know, when we talk about faith and belief, it's really difficult because faith and belief is a huge part of religion, of our faith, of our religion, sorry. Um, and, you know, for me personally, when I, I wasn't convinced that God was real or that Jesus died for my sins until um, there's this theological concept called irresistible grace of until God revealed himself to me in a way that I could not deny. I explain belief 
as how do you know that the sun is hot? You know, no one's ever you you've you've read studies no. about it, but you didn't. I I, I you kind of lose me there because like the sun being hot is verifiable. Just because just because there's a difference between somebody not knowing something and that yeah. thing not being knowable. Yeah. See, but I don't I I I get what you're saying, but I don't see and for th- me it's not unknowable. Well, yeah, I get what you're saying and I agree, but this is this comes back to kind of what we were saying in the start where we have this habit of slipping into things where like we can say that because it's knowable to us because of, you know, right. different reasons. We've seen the effect, you know, being a Christian's had on our lives. We've seen our lives with and without Christianity and God and um, you know, whatever. But to somebody who hasn't, they're like, well, no, I know the sun's hot and you have no idea that there's a God. And then we're falling back into this trap of like, this works inside of our echo chamber and our ecosystem, but it just doesn't land. And I think there's a, I think this is the biggest disconnect that there is between the unchurched and the churched. And it's very hard for the more time I think people spend in the church. I think the harder it is for them to put themselves in, not just talk with people, but literally put themselves in the mindset of people who don't believe because it becomes self-evident to you. And it's the furthest thing from self-evident from those people. Well, Hmm. I think the problem is, is that. And I don't think it's real quick. I don't think it's any fault of the people in the church. I just think it's by nature of being inside of an ecosystem built around something for so long. But, but go ahead. The thing is, is that there isn't a good answer to these types of questions. And again, this is only an answer that makes sense to Christians, but that's because we have to talk about in the context of the quote unquote religion is that Jordan's never saved anybody. I've never saved anybody. Tommy's never saved anybody. Don't do I speak within with, with, if you're you're talking, if, if, if you're, if you, if we're talking about the religion and we're talking within the context of religion, the belief is that Christ saves people and there is no way to explain somebody into faith. Um, so what Jordan was saying about, you know, undeniable grace, as we said, right? Um, is that there, there is no way to explain it. We're, we're, when a Christian stresses out about this thing, they're wasting their time. And that... I disagree. How, I mean, so, so, there's, so there's apologetic stuff. There's stuff like, you know, we can go through Roman records and prove that Jesus was an actual person. Um... We can go and show that, you know, maybe he, he was he was born in Bethlehem and that he was crucified with these records that these things happened. And we can we can go through these records. And there can be apologetic teaching and there can be ways to approach people and have these conversations and plant that seed. Um, but there's no way to explain faith into a person. I disagree. Well. Obviously, you can't just based on. Because it's not observable, because if God exists, he's not, you know, you can't prove it. Um, inherently, you can't explain faith. But for people who were like me, I mean, still kind of, still like me, um, who, who pick apart um, religion, it's very easy to poke holes in it. Just be aware that there are very sound logical arguments for there being a God, like, um, uh, 
for instance, uh, a moving train has to have something pushing it, right? Yeah, original, be, mover theory, yeah. original mover yeah. theory. I mean, that's a very sound, logical... I mean, something had to start what we observe, and whether that's God or something else, I mean, it has to be so, something. So the only pushback I say, again, is that within the context of, of Christianity and what Christians believe is that acknowledging that there is a God doesn't make you a Christian. You know, and and J- that's not what and, I'm saying. Well, and James, it says, you know, you know, the demons know that there's a God. <laughs> so you can't reason your what like. God doesn't care that you reasoned him into existence. But I'm saying it 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 validates the option of having faith for some people. Like, but then that's not people. Faith. It absolutely, what he's is saying. you're it, missing what he's saying, Tyler? It's like. It's like the gateway to Christianity and faith is blocked for people who can't give uh, prescribe any amount of reasoning okay, to so it. Okay, so you're saying it's like a but conversation they're... starter to like get them into the No, idea. no. Maybe I can maybe I can say this a different way. Think about this. Like what's a prerequisite to being a Christian? You have to believe God that exists, right? So if you have an atheist and you can convince them that there's a, le- a like a a reasonable argument to assume that god exists it makes christianity and the idea of believing in that god way more palatable to somebody than them continuing to believe that there's no way god yeah, that's exists. what i'm saying does that like, make sense con- a conversation starter is like a way yeah. into getting further i mean obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i know what you're saying that if, you can't if just someone ex- if someone approaches you and says you know i can't believe in christianity because i believe in evolution and there is an argument that has micro that has some sort of evolution proven through scripture no yeah i totally agree with that i thought you're away from them that that their mind is open i thought you're getting at like a different point but no i i i no i i get that yeah it's just like uh i mean there are sound arguments and it does make sense like logically it does make sense and you don't have to get hung up on the uh you know it just logically couldn't happen yeah, because it could. And uh, for people, I mean, if anybody's listening at this point, pulling an RJ, <laughs> if you if you're mildly interested in it, <clears throat> something that very much helped me and I think a lot of people who struggle with, um, you know, poking holes in their beliefs, read the Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis is, you know, a very pragmatic Christian in the sense that he thinks that it makes sense logically. And that's what drove him, actually, I believe, to Christianity in the first place, because it's the only thing that made sense to him. And, you know, obviously, that's a prerequisite for faith. It's not faith itself. But I mean, it's a start. And uh, yeah, I think that for like, you know, people who just think about it all night or in the shower, and it freaks them out. You can find solace in actual, you know, logical arguments that makes sense in the context of Christianity and it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. And that's the biggest thing. Yeah. It seems like the church is like afraid of talking to people like people. (laughs) Yeah. Or it's like, you know (laughs) what I mean? So (laughs) it's like, let me just quote things at you. It's like, do you ever talk to anybody like that in your daily life? Like talk to me like I'm a person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We're at two. This is the longest podcast we've ever had. Two and a half hours. I was already thinking about splitting this up into uh, like a part one and a part two, because like (laughs) there's not a whole lot I could or even want to cut. Because I think, even though it's the longest, I think this has probably been like one of the most most, interesting discussions we've had. 
We didn't touch anything Period. on the yeah, list. Yeah, we did. <laughs> That's oh, not true. Kind of. We touched of. so many things. We touched on the list. everything. We touched on the list. more than the list. Yeah. Oh, we touched. Let's see. So, let's see. Just like <laughs> the pastors. We touched more what? than the list. <laughs> oh, okay. all right. All right. Cool. But we have five. Know, we have that... five points. That's a record, honestly. Um. <laughs> so I guess. I guess then what we'll say is we'll we'll drop this to next. I don't know when we'll do this because if we do it as two parts, I don't know. Um, everybody, Jordan, you should watch it just because it's a very good movie. But homework will be watch the outpost. Yes, watch the outpost. So we can talk about everybody it watch time. the outpost. It's an important movie to watch, not just I good. Agree. It's important. Just we'll so everybody talking. knows, it's a military movie. It has to do with uh, Afghanistan. What is it? The Afghanistan parts of Afghanistan. I didn't even Ty- know. Tyler's in it. <laughs> Tyler's in it. <laughs> It's about um. Yeah, Tyler, when combat. you die, it's crazy. I love that part of the movie. What'd you say? It's a. Go ahead, Tommy. No, no, you no. Floor <laughs> shoes, Ryan. I said. What were you di- saying? The part where Tyler dies is the best part. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So I rewinded it three times. <laughs> Just watch her get killed over and over. Um. Yeah. No. It's a, it's a really good movie. It's based on um, very heavily based like like they had people that were there at the event acting in and producing the movie so Mm -hmm. um it's fairly accurate i would think and uh, we'll talk about more about it next time um but the outpost it's on netflix give it a watch highly recommend and then um you know obviously listen to us on uh spotify apple uh leave a review leave a comment so we get some feedback and stuff and jordan uh, where's all the places they can find you at yeah, head over to jordanrc.com. <laughs> he, he, spell, he, spell RC J-O-R-D-A-N. for people. Spell RC for people listening. A, yeah, J- A-R-C-E we'll probably slap a link up with the episode. Uh, and then what about your, uh, your, your socials? Oh, yeah. You can find me on Instagram, jordanrc.one. Jordanrc.one. Maybe I should just make that .com. Would I look <laughs> if I did that? I mean, you did so or well just today. Make that your website name jordanrc.1. Well, you I should sh- just make your website name jordanrc.com, so then it would be jordanrc.com.com. <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> Actually, you can't. You can't. But it would be hilarious if you could. Because you need to own the .com. So jordanrc.1 on the social medias and jordanrc.com on the HTMLs. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, I actually I actually tagged you guys on my story tonight. Aw. Aw. Uh, we, we saw, we liked it. I saw I saw it. I didn't get a chance to like it. Um I'm I like saw it, didn't <laughs> like it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and don't bet on me liking it in the future. <laughs> <laughs> the four horsemen of seeing it. Um Cool. Yeah, this was hey, fun. Well, thanks so Thanks so much for having me. This was oh, a lot of oh, fun. Oh, we forgot, yeah, we thanks, forgot the challenge. Should I, should I announce it? What challenge? The, the, you know, with the 200 views and the, I'll do the. Yeah, you should probably talk about it, like, at least once on Instagram. <laughs> oh, well, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to. I'm, go going to. I'm going to, I'm going to, but for this episode, right? Let's just. Yeah, go for it. Is it this yeah, episode we'll this. we're going to do All right, it? guys, so, yeah. for this episode, if it gets 200 views in the first two weeks, I will do what's called the death nut challenge, which are five progressively spicier nuts 
And the last one is 13 million Scoville units. And to put that into something you might be able to comprehend, Ooh. that's 58 times 58 times hotter than a habanero, or 2,600 times hotter than a jalapeno. Um, oh my gosh. Why would you do this? So, that's, so I, will, I will do it live on Instagram. <laughs> Um, uh, are we going to do it live on Instagram? Or oh, yeah, we just we'll do it, do it live, we'll do it live we'll do it and it'll be it. recorded, but right. it'll be live. I will eat it. I have watched some people do this. Look it up. It's called the death nut challenge. I've seen people puke and uh, it pretty much destroys them for multiple days in a row. So if you want to see me Bro. get near death, um, get your friends. 200? 200 views. 200 <laughs> views. 200 listens. Yeah. 200 that's listens in the first two weeks. And I will borderline murder myself live on instagram we've i think our Dude, I, no our go ahead i'm saying 200's way too low no we're doing it <laughs> oh pff, no well our first episode <laughs> crossed 200 but it didn't do it in the first it didn't two like weeks. the first two months yeah but, but tyler's gonna die i mean yeah i mean whatever yeah. they like they apparently I mean, they like watching me do that anyway. i mean listen okay here's what we'll do if you get to 200 tyler will do it if you, we get to 300 Ryan will do it. I will do it with Tyler. And 400? Uh, 400. I'll do it with Tommy and Tyler. All right. But only for 400. All right. Sounds good. And 500, I'll come back on the show yeah! next year. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a W to me. All right, cool. All right. Cool. Well, Jordan, thank you for being here. Thank you for filling in for RJ when he was on his anniversary trip with his wife. Uh, what <laughs> oh, a loser. Boy. Yeah, having a wife and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, uh, weird we appreciate it it was good uh it was good hanging with you dude yeah thanks for having me this is a lot of fun all right we will see y'all in a couple weeks all right see you guys wait uh, tyler leave the call <laughs>